The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Tech Cat Show, which I think is going to be one of the most exciting shows we have had today, because next week is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, one of the biggest technology experiences in the world, really. Just thousands and thousands of people descend upon Vegas to get to see and meet and talk about the latest consumer technology. And so it's my great pleasure and sort of an honor, because I'm a fangirl of the Consumer Electronics Show, to introduce Gary Shapiro, who's the president and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for Gary Shapiro. Yay! Hello, Gary. Welcome. Hi, Laurie H. Schwartz. I am so honored to be on your fantastic show. (laughs) And we are so honored to have you. Well, I want to hear a lot about your background because you are obviously running a gigantic organization and obviously next week is going to be um, a huge week for everybody. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be president of this fantastic organization, which strategically has been making some really interesting and exciting changes as well, which I want to talk about too. So tell us about your background. Uh, Like a lot of people in their careers, it was pretty random and lucky. I ended up going to school in Washington and working on Capitol Hill just so I could survive with macaroni and cheese and pay my tuition and ended up with a career in law. Uh, And uh, the client was this association when I was a law student in 1979. And by 1981, they offered me a full-time job. And I said, yeah, this is the coolest thing in the world because I'd attended my first CES as a consultant, as a lawyer for the organization. And I said, I want to be part of this industry. And that was when it was CD players and VCRs were being introduced. Um, But it's expanded so much in so many different areas. It's just we've gone from uh, 50 members when I joined to over 2,000 companies now. And obviously the world of technology has shifted dramatically. No thanks to anything I've done, but thanks to the fact that there's a lot of bright, innovative people with great ideas. And um, it's just taken off. So it's a luck meets opportunity kind of, and I work my butt off too. (laughs) Well, um, your reputation does speak to that. Uh, so curious, though, you, so you went from a, a, a law background, and then you became president of this organization. So you've been at, at CTA, which used to be CEA until recently, and you can tell us a little bit about that. But what do you do day-to-day at CTA? Well, we, we do a number of things. So we're a trade association, which is a nonprofit organization that works out for the best of the industry, not for any specific company. So our job is to promote the industry, and we define that as saying we're out there to fight for innovation in every way possible. We do it with policies. We do it with research. We do it by counting widgets and projecting markets. We do especially by encouraging new areas more than anything else, uh, areas for growth 
that we see potential in, and frankly, often where there's resistance in government because you're you're upsetting someone's existing apple cart. Like we spend a lot of time fighting the movie industry over VCRs and other products like that, and fighting the music industry over MP3 players and I I I well actually iPad pods at the time um, because. Every industry wants to protect the status quo, and they do not embrace change generally. And we did it with launching high-definition television, uh, fighting, but also working with the broadcasters and cable industry. Uh, and we're doing it now with uh, representing Airbnb in the hotel industry and uh, Uber and Lyft against the taxicab industry and so many other new types of companies against other existing status quo. And they often use the government to try to protect themselves. So... We're an advocacy group, we're a research group, we're a standards group, uh, and we produce events. And the purpose of the events is to get people together in a face-to-face -face environment where they could use their five senses to meet each other, see technology, cut deals, and expand and grow. And that's what we do. And, and so members are basically folks that are at technology companies? They are. The members actually are companies themselves. 80% uh, of our over 2,000 companies are small businesses. We have a lot of startups. And, of course, the other 20% are all the huge mega companies you'd expect. Everyone from Best Buy to Sony to Apple to uh, Google to Verizon to AT&T. So the big companies and the small companies, but they share something in common. They are focused on innovation and consumer technology. They're passionate that we are going to solve a lot of the world problems. Clearly, a lot of it is about entertainment and information and education, but we're going way beyond that now to focus on health care and agriculture and, and things which will better the human condition. And I think it's something that almost everyone in the industry is passionate about, and they share our sense of mission in doing better for the world. Well, and I know that you have, have recently authored a New York Times best-selling book as well as, as another book, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about it, because I can't imagine how you have time to do this, but you have two books that really start to explain the world that we're in, and the one that um, you just wrote, I think, a year or two ago, The Ninja Innovation, The Ten Killer Strategies of the World's Most Successful Businesses, which I'm enjoying reading right now, and also The Comeback, how Innovation Will Restore the American Dream. And in, in those books, you really talk about how businesses need to embrace innovation operationally, correct? Yes. I mean, the comeback was written a few years ago, and it was more about how we as a nation lead the world in innovation, and, but we can't be complacent about it. Here are the things we have to do. We have to uh, focus on getting the best and brightest people. We have to have a good educational system. We have to focus on trade. We have to develop... Uh, and nurture our culture of innovation, and we just can't be complacent. The second book, Ninja Innovation, was more about the business of innovation and how any entity, actually business or government or even individually, we can be um, focused on the fact that life is always about change, and if you embrace change and you nurture it and you recognize it and have emotional intelligence about it and essentially teach it to your kids and, and, and make it part of our culture and DNA, you could do better. And it's about being a ninja, which I define, even though it's a, it's a Japanese art, I'm coming from a background with a black belt in Taekwondo, a Korean art, use a little license and basically say, here's what ninjas do. They solve problems creatively. They cross over barriers. They get through them. They become invisible. They solve problems. And they do that in a way as people where you reach out to areas you're not comfortable with, areas you're not experts in, and you learn about the other side. And that's what the CES is about. 
The CES is really about multiple industries getting together to cross-fertilize. And that's what we've done with the content, the advertising and marketing world, the automotive world, Wall Street, um, Hollywood, you name it. They all come together because they're focused on innovation and technology and they want to do deals with each other. They want to learn from each other. And increasingly, these are the skills sets in individuals and in companies which make them succeed in today's world. You have to do business with people you've never dealt with business before. You have to cross-license. You have to cross-brand. You have to share technology and innovation in all sorts of ways. And that's what this the future is about. And that's what, in a sense, ninja being a ninja is about, whether you're a company or a person or an industry. Now, the one thing you mentioned in your book that um, that is different than what the ninjas were about is that failure is acceptable right now. And I, I would love for you to talk about that because that's definitely something that as a consultant, I talk a lot with brands about being okay about trying something and, and it not working. So tell me what your, your strategy is about failure. Well, failure, if you think back even as a person in your individual life, when you learn the most is when you failed, even in a relationship, in your jobs, in your career. That's when the greatest learning occurs, and it's deep and it's important learning. When you succeed, you just think you're really smart, and it leads to a little arrogance and false confidence. But failure, I think, is a great thing, and I think what makes the U.S. so great, in my view, is that culturally, we embrace failure more than any other country except perhaps Israel. Um, you know, Israel has a different set of circumstances that make them very innovative. You know, they're surrounded by people who want to kill them, and so taking a risk in business isn't the biggest deal. Uh, you can be innovative, especially at a young age when you've commanded a lot of people and a lot of expensive stuff. And what's the big deal about a business risk when you're, you know, you're dealing with people's lives? Um, those are greater risks. So the in the in the world of the U.S., innovation is very important. Uh, taking risks. That's what we. And when I go to other, you, know, you go to Europe, you go to Asia. They're very risk adverse. It, failing is something that's that's considered a badge of dishonor, and you can only fail once, and then you're out. I hear failure is a total education. I mean, it's a standard interview question. Tell me about how you failed and what you've learned from it. Um, that's what we do. Even with our kids, it's a, it's a lot about trying new things and learning from them, even though you fail. Where other countries, it's about rote learning. Our kids ask why or why not. Other countries, they just memorize and test and memorize and test. And the Chinese are a great example. They want to be like us. They want to be innovative. They have a five-year goal where a certain number of patents will define their innovation. They're ending up with a lot of weak patents. And now they've figured out the, the U.S. has it, so they're sending more and more kids here. They have 220,000 students in the U.S. They have more students in the K-12 through uh, now than all the other countries put together. And that's just happened in the last couple of years. I've been talking about it at the Wall Street Journal and yeah. others are just writing about it in the last week. But it's a, um, the fact is that's what the Chinese approach is. They realize they want to be like us. But I, I, I love that, and I think we should talk in a little bit about what you're doing um, with CES Asia, which is another show that happens in May in Shanghai, which is amazing. But when we come back with Gary, we're going to get a little bit more into the strategy around the name change of your organization, which used to be called uh, the Consumer Electronics Association, and now it's the Technology Association. So a really smart name change. And some other things about the lobbying role and what's going to be happening next week in Las Vegas. So more with Gary Shapiro and the Tech Cat. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. 
StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan and co-host Gisela Gonzalez. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities, and then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We are talking to the fabulous Gary Shapiro, who's the president and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association. Now, Gary, up until a few months ago, you guys were called the Consumer Electronics Association. What what made you change the name? It was, um, we should practice what we preach. We talk about change and innovation, and we realized we're, we were representing a lot of disruptive companies like Pandora and Boingo and Uber and Lyft. Uh, and we looked at that and we said, you know what? Some other similar type companies said, why would we want to be part of you? You're electronics. And we realized a lot of the companies are not defining themselves electronics. Electronics doesn't begin to describe the companies we were representing. So it was a really easy name change. Um, the only reason not to do it was the cost and the confusion. And we, we've gotten over that. The truth is, We've had a lot of name changes. I've lived like three, through three or four, and I, they don't scare me. We started out before I was born as the Radio Manufacturers Association in 1924. We became Radio and TV. We became the Electronic Industries Association. We became the Consumer Electronics Manufacturers Association in, in 2000. So there's no reason we shouldn't change 
to something that's reflective. And we've gotten a phenomenal response. I mean, immediately, Airbnb joined us and uh, TripAdvisor. And we had so many others immediately join us. So uh, you know, everyone is for it. Everyone thinks it's a great idea. And technology is very broad because, look, we're talking about wireless health. We're talking about agriculture. We're talking about automobiles. And while electronics was a great description 10 or 15 years ago, technology is bigger. So that's the name change, and, and we felt we should practice what we preach. And uh, our name is really strong in Washington, D.C., and that's where it causes the biggest little hiccup that we had to really invest in getting our brand back. We're one of the 15 largest trade associations in Washington. We had branded ourselves really well the last five or ten years. And it's, it is a little confusing to Washington policymakers, but they're adults, and they could deal with it. Well, I know your building has the big, at least when I was there a month or two ago, the big uh, CEA sign that you could see far away. Have you guys flipped those letters? Uh, we are still, we're, that's our, one of our lower priorities. <laughs> um, it helped it, me it, find you. <laughs> made the decision to change our name in the summer. So the fact that we've done it, I mean, you know, a, a lot of people internally said we should announce it at, at the last day of CES and then go forward on it. And I really pushed our staff hard. And I think they're glad I did now, but they didn't appreciate it at the time because I wanted to go into CES with, you know, fully branded as the Consumer Technology Association. But even at CES, actually, you'll see some remnants of our old brand where we said it's not worth it to spend, you know, major money to change some signs for a name. So we're, we're trying to be smart, prudent, and cost-effective. And I know in your book, um, you know, Ninja Innovation, you talk about how, um, why this is all so important now because products, all these new products have become so indispensable to our life. I mean, I, I, you know, when I think about Airbnb being part of your organization, I mean, what, what's going on that, that tech is so integrated into our lives? Well, what's going on is technology is enabling ordinary people to do extraordinary things or actually to go back and just do things without a third party involved. Um, so if you want to contract with someone to give you a ride or to move your, your goods or to rent their home, you could just do it with you know, your, cell, your wireless smartphone and some creative apps and you don't need anyone else involved. You don't, and it cuts down on the cost. It cuts down on the time. I mean... You know, Uber and Lyft are, are like so important to our employees here because our choices are so limited in the Washington area. Um, just getting out of the car and going right to an appointment is quicker. And it's, it's, yeah, it's hurt taxi cab drivers, but it's also stepped up their game. They've gotten some competition and they don't like it and they're fighting us at every level at government. Uh, same thing with Airbnb. The hotels don't like it. The hotel unions don't like it. But that's life. Um, you know, if you start out with the fact that as human beings we struggle so hard to maintain a status quo which is impossible and as you get older in life you realize you know your grandparents pass away people get sick people die and it's the same thing about other things in life it's always changing and it's so difficult for us to accept that change is good well in our industry the consumer technology world changes fast change is important and if you don't change you go out of business witness Eastman Kodak and Circuit City and others it happens really quickly um, no one has a guarantee of survival as a business and even as a person. So you have to embrace change. If you don't, if, if you don't get, if you're not, um, <laughs> you don't know what's on the menu, that means you're getting eaten for lunch. <laughs> so we want to help control the change and get people prepared for it. 
Do you think that this is a demographic issue, like companies that have an older demographic and leadership aren't getting it? Or is that just, you know, a prejudice and that the truth is that there are just smart people that are doing it and getting it and people that don't? That's a great question, and I don't really know the answer. I do know that for large companies, almost every large company has one major cash cow, and everything is about protecting that cash cow, and it's so difficult to try to um, change and embrace a new thing. Now, Apple did a great job of it when they, uh, when Steve Jobs set it up, so he had like little separate rump groups that he didn't tell anyone about that developed new products. But generally, that's not what big companies do. And big companies are so vertical that, you know, if someone has an idea, it takes 10 levels to go up that, the chain. And at every level, the incentive is to just say no, because you never get really penalized for saying no to an idea. It's like the mindset of lawyers is always to say no. And that's the law school training taught me that, that you never get in trouble for telling someone no. But it's only the smartest lawyers that figure out how to say yes. So what I think about large companies is that it's tough for them to be innovators, but increasingly there are companies um, like Amazon, uh, which keeps reinventing itself and creating its own competition, like Adobe, which is, is just spending a million dollars, a thousand dollars per employee. They, they give employees credit cards of a thousand dollars to spend on an idea without a lot of questions asked, and they got a thousand ideas that way some of which have become marketable and revenue producing. Or I'm looking at Canon, which is, you know, even though it's an Asian company, which are sometimes, in my view, very difficult to move around, and they have that older culture, and they don't change their employees, and they're, they're a little stuck in all ways. Canon has totally shifted from a company which sold, you know, cameras to now a company that is benefiting in like a thousand different ways from the technologies and patents they have, and it's doing great. So I'm seeing some big companies getting it. Watching IBM try to turn around is really interesting. Uh, Ginny Romney, the CEO, will be speaking at CES, but what she's done, she's hired a 1,000 designers and integrated them into their consulting practice and doing all sorts of great things. Whether it will work remains to be seen, but they've had great progress. And these companies will only survive if they change. And if you look at IBM's history, my gosh, they've changed in their, you know, at least five to ten times over the course of the company dramatically. And that's what you have to do. Very few companies in the, who are the top of the list, um, you know, 50 or 100 years ago even exist today. So you have to change to turn around, to survive even. Well, I, I love that. And I, I, I'm wondering, and this is probably a big part of your role, but are, are you constantly performing what my, you know, grandparents would call shidox? You know, like bringing together two companies that should be talking that don't think about each other that way? Uh, we do that sometimes, yeah. We also actually bring people in a company together because sometimes one part of a company doesn't know what the other part is doing. Um, but we actually go, I think, and beyond that because I think to succeed today, you have to go across vertical pipelines more than ever before, and that's what's changed in the last 10 years even. So the skills that are today, that the MBA skills especially are good, are, are um, working in a team but also thinking outside your box in your area. And there's no company today that's surviving alone. You have to reach out to different areas across totally different pipelines. And that's why the automobile industry is turning to CES in a huge way to make it one of its most important events worldwide because they see they need other industries to survive, whether it's the semiconductor chip industry or the, the video display industry or all sorts of other technology industries that are, that are at CES or Hollywood 
or um, the wireless health industry, the wearable industry requires so many different other industries to succeed and vice versa. We need the healthcare industry to grow. We need other industries to grow. So basically you got to get out of your comfort zone. You have to reach across some pretty big chasms and, and some of it is serendipity and some of it is random, but some of it is very thoughtful. Like even here, we try to practice what we preach. We tell our own employees, you got to be a ninja. You just can't work here all the time. You have to get out. You have to you know, pursue a passion, learn something else, do something different, and bring something different to the ball game, and, and create different relationships. But you know, the, the idea of a vertically segmented expert is career limit, limiting at this point, I think, for most people. That I mean, it's such a smart way to to think about things, and I love also in your book that you talk about how all your kids had uh, training with you. It was it Taekwondo. Yeah, what you guys did. So they all have that same sense of structure and that warrior, you know, sort of training. So that you're you're actually giving it to your children, and and it's the same philosophy that these companies have to have. Well, certainly Taekwondo for my older two children was something that got extraordinarily young, and it was a family-building uh, event. I have two younger children now and who are not getting Taekwondo training, but they certainly, you know, when they did something really creative, they said, Dad, does that make me a ninja? And they really <laughs> got outside the box, and they asked the question, and they want to be ninjas. And that's, I think that's great because I think we have to train our kids to ask questions and to think outside the box, and I think that's a good thing. It's difficult to do. And not every, it's not for every kid, it's not for every parent, but it's something I'm pretty passionate about. I mean, I think we're all looking towards education right now. I have a six-year-old who does take karate, um, and what I mostly love is that it's the discipline piece. But I think we're all wondering about how much screen time should our kids have? Do I, do I train them to code at six years old? Like, what will keep us competitive, but I don't want her to be glued to the screen all the time. And so we're all sort of struggling with how do we stay competitive as a nation and raise kids that will be high-functioning in today's marketplace, too. Well, as everyone has different views as parents, but I know that my wife and I, in terms of raising our young kids, is they are not allowed screen time almost at all, uh, unless, frankly, maybe this is TMI, um, they are, we're trying to get them to learn Chinese, and they, they watch Chinese movies. Oh, they my God, that's American television. Oh, I, lo I love that. I love uh, that. So it's, a, and I was talking to one of our senior people here yesterday, and he confessed to me, despite his fact he's a senior vice president here, his kids are not allowed to have any screens in their rooms, and they're teenagers. Wow. Uh, and he's very, very strict control. There's time limits on their phone use. There's all sorts of things. So... Despite the fact that we're passionate about the importance of our industry, uh, we also recognize that there's a role for parents, and teaching human interaction is still a really important thing to do, and everything in moderation has its place. On Christmas night, I was at a restaurant, and I saw a family of four, and they were all huddled over their screens at a dinner table, and I, I couldn't believe it, frankly, um, and I... Starting to feel we've jumped the shark. I think I think we have to pull back a little bit and start dealing with each other as people. Well, that that makes perfect sense and a great note to close this segment out. We're going to be back in a moment more with Gary Shapiro talking about next week's Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, one of the biggest trade shows in the world, and a global technology explosion. So more with Gary Shapiro and the Tech Cat.
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Welcome back, everybody. And we're talking to the fabulous Gary Shapiro, who is the CEO and president of the Consumer Technology Association. And next week is the Consumer Electronics Show happening in Las Vegas, one of the biggest tech explosions of, of, of the, in the globe, I think, really. Gary, what is going to be happening next week? What's new and exciting this year? Everything is new and exciting. We have over <laughs> 3,600 companies showing amazing products, and every one of them will tell you they have something unique and exciting. Um, and, and the truth is they do. The, uh, but what's really grown dramatically are a few areas. So the automotive connected car, the intelligent vehicle, is, is just absolutely huge. There's so many companies, including the major car companies, their suppliers like, like Visteon and Delphi, and, and the, 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 those that supply them, like NVIDIA and Qualcomm and Johnson Controls, are all showing like the car of the future, if you will. And that's a, a car which at some point soon is going to be cutting down highway deaths and injuries dramatically and you consider the real loss of life that we've all experienced because of automobile accidents that is truly exciting more than anything else because you're talking about everyone being impacted by people they know that have died or, or gotten seriously hurt and that's that's a priority is to get there quickly as possible but other areas um, 3d printing is big there's that's a huge quick growth area it's not only for businesses it's for consumers robotics we know that's the future and that's growing dramatically, and, and that's one thing you'll see the next 20 or 30 years at CES, um, and it'll be dramatically changing our lives. And especially if you think about the demographic change, where we have an older population that's growing and a younger population that's not, and there's no one to take care of these old people. So we need robots. We need home control systems that tell the kids that whether their parent has gotten out of bed or taken their medication or is okay or with cameras. So there's so many things which will help provide uh, resources to make us feel safe and secure. And then there's the, some, the fun stuff, the gaming and virtual reality, uh, where tremendous developments, we've talked about it in science fiction, of just creating your own environment around you 
And it's not only for games, it's also for learning. It's also for creation and content. And then there's um, augmented reality, which will help you design your house better or choose your clothes or your own look, where you take a little bit of reality that's there and you then augment it um, and make better decisions. Um, and of course, there are drones, and drones are huge. They're, we're projecting about a million flights a day if we don't screw it up. And that'll, that'll not only get the packages to your door, it'll get medicine to people that need it. It'll allow rooftop-to-rooftop deliveries and unclogged city streets. It'll do a lot of things in a very efficient way um, and open up new things. And then there's all the startups that are out there. Uh, Eureka Park is what we, where we have over 500 startups. This is how we've run the show since I started over 30 years ago. It's for the, the person with an idea. How do they bring it to the marketplace? And we subsidize it, we curate it, we make sure that they qualify, and the over 500 companies will be there, and every one of them will leave with a different concept of when they came in of what their business should be. They'll have contacts, they'll have potential investors, uh, retailers placing orders, partners. They'll have all sorts of different ideas. It's the only thing where there's 100% satisfaction um, because of it's like drinking from a fire hose. It's an exhausting four days from them and a very exciting area of the show. You know, I always tell people, because we give tours um, on the show floor, and one of the things that we always tell people is that the layout of the floors themselves are reflective of trends. Uh, The fact that North Hall has become this telematics and autonomous uh, vehicle sort of haven, where years ago it was dedicated more to, like, making your car look cool and over the years, it's just transformed to be one of the more important halls to go to. I mean, they're all important, but North Hall has really become uh, part of everyone's attention. Do you think that the, the, you know, the regular car makers in the U.S. now are behind um, where they need to be, where the Teslas are and the Faraday futures are? Well, certainly Tesla and, and now at Faraday making announcements next week is getting their attention. And, you know, all the car makers have now Silicon Valley offices and they're doing research and partnerships there. But it is somewhat an open marketplace. The, the little secret which I'll expose now is we actually designed those floors uh, over a year ahead of time. Yeah. I had a meeting this morning with our show, Ed, where we were talking about um, show floor design, believe it or not, for 2017, 2018, 2019, wow. 2020. It is really difficult because we are, you know, we're at capacity, but we want to be flexible enough to embrace things as they occur, and it's a real challenge. Um, we also, so we have three major areas of the show now, uh, Tech East at the Las Vegas Convention Center, where we have the autos and a lot of the audio video and, and um, a lot of new areas in the home, and then Tech West, where we have exercise, uh, health and fitness, um, our Eureka, Eureka Place, uh, and some Eureka Park, rather, marketplace. And we have so many other areas, but we also have some you're familiar with. We're calling now Tech South, which is C-Space. We have three hotels now. Last year, we only had one. And this is where content meets marketing meets technology. Um, and that's where you have Google and Amazon and so many others uh, from the, the CMO world, the chief marketing officers around the country, and several thousand converged now in Las Vegas, and they're doing deals there. They're trying to figure out YouTube and how to get your, your product in there and what kind of advertising blends into technology. And it's, it's, a, it's an exciting meeting place, which would have been difficult to predict 10 years ago. But when we designed the show, actually, 
uh, several years ago. We thought about this convergence and we focused on it. We invested on it. We tried to get Hollywood and YouTube to pay attention, and they have. And it's working, and it makes sense. But it's still, uh, things are moving so quickly for advertisers and marketing that there are clearly no clear answers yet, but there's a lot of experimenting going on. But there's no real solutions yet that everyone agrees upon, and it's going to keep changing, I think, for a long time. Hmm. Uh, Well, I I do think that now more than ever before, especially coming from the marketing and advertising side of the world, that I, I see people that never would have thought twice about going to a technology show know that they have to be at CES. And it's no longer the sort of junior associates that are going for a day or two to go to a conference they have to go to. But now it's all the C-suite, as you said. And in fact, those junior people aren't allowed to go anymore. (laughs) So there's been this flip in the uh, level of executive that's attending the show. Well, that's great to hear because that certainly was 15 years ago. We laid out our strategy. We believed in convergence and that is what we are going after. It is a CXO show all around. And the, the leaders of companies from around the world converge in Las Vegas. They see each other. They want to go. Um, the level of uh, Fortune 500 CEOs here is absolutely huge. Just look at the, the speakers that are there. And then there's many more, like uh, Mark Fields of Ford, I saw, is, it will be there. He's not speaking, he'll be, but he will be at CES. As many others, they just want to be there. They want to see their peers. They want to see the trends. They want to, as um, the CEO of Intel told me at the fourth day of the show, he thanked me uh, in last January. I said, I should thank you. You're here the fourth day of the show. This is your fifth day here. And he said, oh, my gosh. He says, I get done more in these four days than I do in three months. The people I see from around the world is extraordinary because they're all gathered here in Las Vegas, which is, to me, was music to my ears. Well, and I'm sure Las Vegas appreciates that, too. (laughs) Yes, they do. They're, Las Vegas is the only place in the world I think we could host such a major event. Obviously, we, we're, we've launched in Shanghai. We had a phenomenally successful launch. We'll be back there next spring. Um, but it's different. And, you know, obviously, it's not going to be as big as, as our Las Vegas event. And we're appealing to the Chinese market and Chinese innovation. Uh, and, we're, and we're actually much more scrupulous about who can exhibit in China because you have to be an innovator. You can't be a, another uh, iPod case company or an accessory. You have to have a great brand or be innovative, and that's that's really made it a higher quality show for a small event, a relatively small event. Still, it's it's over a hundred thousand square feet, which would put it, I think, on the trade show one hundred list in the U.S. in terms of size. But yeah, it's a um, the CES is, is is something that we we don't view as ourselves as owning. We view it as a, as taking as caretaking it for the industry and trying to grow it for the, the betterment of, of innovation. And that's what we focus on. And that's why we have an innovation movement, which is focused on public policy. We have a disruptive innovation council. We have an innovation house on Capitol Hill, where we have members of Congress come right next to the House of Representatives. We just opened it a year ago. Wow. We've already had 70 different events there, including some of the leaders in Congress have been there, and they like it. Um, and, and companies like Pandora and others have had little events there, which is kind of cool. Um, so everything we do is focused around innovation, and that's, that's our mission, and that's what gets our employees coming to work every day, excited that they're changing the world. God, I love that. I had no idea that, that that's what you guys did, and I think most people don't realize that you guys hold events throughout the year. Um, everyone's most familiar with CES, and I did get to go to CES Asia, and I thought it was fascinating. What was the decision, the reason to do a show there as opposed to other regions? Well, 
we are besieged with cities around the world that think we could just take our Las Vegas CES and replicate it in their city. Um, and, but we felt Shanghai is really the commercial center of China and potentially of Asia. So there is no real great technology show in China, and we see an opportunity there. We partner locally, and we a lot of major American and non-American brands asked us to do something there, so we, we were pleased to do it. But we also have a great event in, in Paris every year now called CES Unveil, um, and that's gotten tremendous support and participation. And, and the French are really committed to innovation. They'll have over 100 companies exhibiting at CES, and their most popular politician, one of their cabinet ministers, Emmanuel Macron, the economic minister, will be at CES, as will many leaders in France, and um, uh, including the head of their, uh, the French La Poste, which is the postal service, which is the largest employer, and their postal service does a lot more things than ours does. Wow. They actually have a lot more flexibility, and they view technology as their future, because obviously mail is uh, snail mail or, or dead tree mail is going away. They see an opportunity now to be the ones that connect to the consumers. They'll have a whole bunch of people in French postal outfits like mailmen running around and doing all sorts of stuff. So it's a it's a very exciting um, event. But we we go around the world. We also have events in the U.S. We have one in um, in March in in um, in a ski resort focused on economic issues. We have an event in Israel coming up in June for CEOs focusing on technology in Israel and CEO networking. Uh, and we have a fall event focusing in Silicon Valley, focusing on innovation in that area. Uh, our conferences team told me we have, I think we're there, we have nothing in the month of August, which they're pleased about. <laughs> That's a good time for you to take a moment off to breathe. Well, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about what you're reading personally for inspiration and, and what tech you have at home, because part of the joy of the Consumer Electronics Show is that we all personally geek out a little bit. So we'll be back to close out the show with Gary Shapiro, who's the president and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association and the Tech Cat in a moment. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. We're chatting it up with Gary Shapiro, who's the president and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association. And I'm actually in the middle of Gary's Ninja Innovator book. And so I was just asking, Gary, what are you reading for inspiration? Because I I don't even know how you have time to sleep, frankly, with everything that you're doing in this exploding world. But what are are you reading now? Well, I'll read for inspiration after the CEO says, but honestly, I'm reading the book Super Genes by Dr. Deepak Chopra uh, because I am interviewing him next week. Um, And it's a really interesting book. I've already changed some of the things I'm doing in my own lifestyle, but the thesis of the book is, is that we've always believed that our genes are kind of fixed and we pass them on, but there's a lot of evidence uh, that shows that actually our genes change in response to our environment and that we, we have a lot more genes in our gut and in our intestines than we, I mean, literally millions um, of, of live material that change in response to what we eat, our stress level and everything else. And that's the area of increasing focus. And he has all sorts of suggestions about how you change our lifestyle, some of which I'm already adopting. Like what? Like what, what have you changed? Well, for, um, uh, I've been having a bad experience last week, but I've also I've cut out red meat the last week. And I've always been cutting down, but I'm, I'm, I'm going, I haven't had red meat in a week. Um, uh, I'm very, I exercise all the time. I've always had a pretty balanced life. Uh, and I sleep, and I don't smoke, and I don't drink that much, and I'm not really that stressed, honestly. But So I, I feel pretty good. He's also pushing meditation, something I've never done. I haven't gotten to that chapter yet. But I'll be interviewing him next week. At, at the show? Uh, of course, I also read our own Sean Dubravac's book called Digital Destiny, which is, um, was released at CES this year. And it's a great book about our digital future and talks about trends that are likely to occur. He re- he lays, Sean lays it out there and takes some risks, which I admire, and says, this is what the future will be like. And I find that book fascinating, and I think many of the things he said will, will be true in terms of uh, living in a, in a world where there's a predictive technology which allows us to um, live a life where things can predict what's going to happen. Like, like for example, you're going to be home, the car's your lights will turn on or that your car seat will tell you whether you're getting sick or not. And we're getting, a because of the Internet of Things, because of a tremendous growth in sensing devices and their low cost and their ubiquitous and innovation, they're combining in a way which will allow so many benefits to occur and the mass of human knowledge to leapfrog in a way which will ensure we have healthier, safer lives and we'll know really how to eat, how to exercise for our own unique makeup. And I think that's really kind of exciting. It's crazy how all of this just blends together. You know, it's not just technology to the left, but it it really intertwines into how you live and move through your life. And so in terms of tech, do you have any favorite technology toys or things that have now become indispensable to you in your own home? Yes, tablets, <laughs> smartphones, Ultra HD 4K TV. I kind of like my electric blinds that are um, respond to sunlight and sunset and go off and on by themselves. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I like my whole house audio distributed in the music anywhere. My um, seven-year-old son has my wife's old smartphone, and he controls the music sometimes throughout the house and has a good time there. Uh, and I... I mean, there's, I couldn't live without my navigational devices, frankly, because I think I have—I don't have the male gene that 
it tells me just sense of direction, but I do have the male gene that doesn't want me to ask for help. <laughs> so that's yeah. a major problem. That's, that's called husband. <laughs> anyway. Oh. <laughs> um, do you have any, uh, you know, of the artificial intelligent agents like the Echo or anything like that that's sort of, you know, listening and helping out in the house? Uh, no, I do not. Um, and I just, you know, we built the house a couple of years ago, uh, but we didn't put Ultra HD 4K in it because it was too expensive. But we got our first one uh, a few months ago. We loved it so much we got another one in there. Because then obviously the prices have dropped and it's a phenomenal product. Um, in terms of product I want to see, I'm really, uh, this is a personal crusade. I want facial recognition technology out there. I was a little disappointed that Google pulled it out of their, smart, their original um, glasses, Google Glass. But I think it's very important for people like me that meet a lot of people and have real problem with names. My mother had Alzheimer's and I don't have that facility with names that a lot of people like Bill Clinton seem to have. Well, Bill Clinton was the best. Yeah. Um, but I'll, but I, when I ask audiences around the country, if not the world, whether they like something like that, they all seem to want it. So it's a problem that I think would be solved. I'm not one of these privacy um, extremists that say this is an intrusion on your privacy if you go out in public and you can know whose name is this. I think that's life. I mean, I think it's good to know people, and if they want to disguise themselves. They always have a right to put on, you know, ways, of, there's ways of doing it. There's also, and the truth is in, in terms of, you know, solving big problems or what is top of news is terrorism. I mean, if you think about it, technology will help solve a lot of those problems. It's not only facial recognition, it's micro cues in your face. It's a voice recognition, voice analysis. All these things are happening very quickly and they can be put together in very creative ways. Already call and call, um, uh, call centers are using voice analysis to detect whether a customer is very frustrated and angry and is about they're about to lose that customer and to you know offer them a deal or go to to management. We'll soon be able to tell whether someone's telling the truth just by their voice. And I fantasize that we should put that up against in the political debates. You know, oh that would be great. It'll flash whether or not they're telling the truth. I find that really exciting. Now politicians may try to make that illegal. Um, and I think that, you know, the issues we're dealing with will be privacy, cybersecurity, um, and versus utility and all the benefits. And that's why I expect to be very busy in the next few years in, in Washington state legislatures. Now, one of the things we've done that I haven't mentioned is we're ranking all the states by how innovative they are. We have a state innovation scorecard we released this year. We're about to release version two of it. And that's very exciting because states take different attitudes towards innovation. And uh, at some point, I'd like to rank countries in terms of how they're doing, because I know every national government wants to be seen as promoting innovation. So we want to reward those that are doing things well and those that are not, give them something to aspire to. Well, that is a whole topic in itself is the, the future of city and smart city and connected cities, which is I know there will be some of that um, on the floor as well. Are you, now, are you someone that gets up and starts reading right away? Are there, you know, like blogs and newsletters and things like that that you make sure you read every day? Well, I only try to follow you, of course, religiously. <laughs> so, so nice, nice. To be here. But I want to get back to the Smart Cities question. So, so at the CES, we have the Secretary of Transportation, the Cabinet Secretary, um, kicking off a panel where we have the CEO of Qualcomm, the CEO of Bosch, and other people that are way out there in terms of figuring out how cities should be created with transportation networks in the future. And if you think about just the smart 
a driverless car coming, the ramifications are absolutely stunning in terms of not only cutting down on tow truck drivers and collision repair shops and changing the nature of auto insurance, but changing the nature of driving and what it does for people that are older or disabled or even drunk. Uh, it's just going to change the world fundamentally. So there's a lot of things to think about, but in terms of um, me uh, being out there and listening to blogs and things like that, I just try to keep up with my um, inbox, frankly. And, and <laughs> that, I, that alone is, is, is uh, education. And I do, I do a lot of reading and I do a lot of writing because I want to get things off my chest. And you could, um, we have something called the innovation movement where we want people that are average people, Americans that are, care about innovation to get engaged with us and, and push our, our government to focus on innovation as a national policy. There's no question that President Obama, in many ways, has done a very, very good job of pushing an innovation agenda. But so have Republicans, frankly. Um, but sometimes things get lost in the process and politics of Washington. And whoever the next president is, we want to make sure that person pushes an innovation agenda as well. And both Democrats and Republicans get it. We think they do. But, you know, you have to make sure that they're focused on it. And they are facing competing pressures from those who are trying to preserve status quo industries. And that's why that's our job is to make sure they're focused on innovation as a good. Well, I, um, I think talking to you is very inspirational and I've learned so much. Where can people follow you? Um, what, what's your Twitter Twitter tag? At Gary Shapiro. They can go to our website, um, cta.org. Dot tech, I'm sorry, CTA still for me. CTA dot tech. Uh, and uh, from there, you could find almost anything. We also have, if you just Google innovation movement, if people want to sign up, it's uh, free, easy to do, and you get pushes. Or you could just, obviously, as we do with ourselves and others we follow, you could just create search engine um, updates on what people are doing. And um, if people aren't going to the show next week but want to track what's going on, uh, cesweb.org is a good way to follow what's going on with the show. A great point. Thank you for raising that CES web. We will have some live and um, near live updates all the time about what's happening there. It's, uh, we'd like to invite everyone, but we can't. So we are, you know, whatever we have, doing 150,000, 170,000 people, but millions more will be following it there. Well, it has just been an honor and a, a privilege and a slightly fangirl thing to get to talk to Gary Shapiro, the CEO and president of the Consumer Technology Association. Next week, of course, is the great CES 2016, one of the biggest shows um, of global technology in the world. And um, I'm leaving for Vegas on Monday, and I can't wait. Gary Shapiro, thank you so much. Check out cesweb.org all next week and even now for the beginning of the onslaught of, of trends and insights surrounding really the future of technology and, and our world as we know it. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you so much, Lori. I love your passion, enthusiasm, content, and the fact that you're going to Las Vegas for CES and informing all your fans about it. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Calling you from Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show. Bye from the Tech Cat and the fabulous Gary Shapiro. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.